Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Well, hello, church. What a joy it is to be together once again. You know, I think we realize uh, we took it for granted for a while, and now we know what a joy it is to be gathered. Uh, whether you are sitting in a chair at one of our campuses, or maybe you are sitting on your living room couch and you're joining us online, we're just really, really glad that you are part of what God is doing among us this weekend and really in this season here at Hosanna. I assume that many to most of you were present last weekend for our Easter worship celebration. What a beautiful celebration it was. I pray that you've had a sense of just living that rise all week long. I know that I have. And if you were here, you know that we decided to once again give away the entire Easter offering outside the walls of Hosanna to help people rise, this time in Haiti and right here in our communities. And Ryan told you to be generous. He asked you to be generous. And church, mercy, were you generous. And that number is going to go up on the screen in just a moment. I hope you're very curious. But first, I just had to put it in context for you. We've got to put it in context that one year ago, we did exactly the same thing on Easter. We said, give generously. We want to help people rise through the COVID crisis. Excuse me. It's overwhelming to me. Um, we said, give everything you've got. And last year you gave the biggest offering that Hosanna has ever received, uh, right around $350,000. I think it was $348,000. Well, this year, Hosanna, you doubled that. You doubled that. Church, you gave $700,000 to help people rise. There is so much that could be said about this number. It overwhelms me to think about how many people's lives are gonna be impacted by your generosity. How many people in Haiti and how many people in this city, our city needs a rise and it's gonna get a massive rise because of your generosity. Lord, I just, I pray you take every single dollar of it. That's what we pray. Would you take it, God, and just multiply it, multiply it, multiply it, and use it to help people rise in your name. But when I see that number, I think why I get really overwhelmed as one of the pastors of this place is that to me, that represents that represents that in one year, Hosanna, we doubled in faith. We doubled in faith. Like how much has God been at work in us as individuals and in a congregation that we would double how much we gave a year ago? And so I just say, hallelujah over that. Way to go, church. I'm so proud of you. I hope that you feel really excited that you were part of that and every single one of you were, so thank you. I would also just remind you that multiplying the hope and heartbeat of Jesus is what we're about all the time, every weekend, every day here at Hosanna. And so um, I would encourage you to continue to give faithfully, to continue to give generously um, to, to your tithes and offerings this weekend and beyond. Um, you know, this is what we're about here, multiplying the hope and heartbeat of Jesus, and you make it possible through your faithful and generous giving. And so we try to make it super easy to give. There's a button on our webpage. You know that. You can do it through our app. Otherwise, there is information on the screen right now that, that allows you to text Hosanna Church to the number 77977, and a, and a link will come back to you. And you can use that link for a one-time gift or really to set up recurring giving, which is incredibly helpful for you and for us as a church. So just thank you. Way to go. There's so much more that could be said, but we're going to move on. Uh, Ryan also told you last weekend that, that this week we would be starting a new sermon series that we are calling The Rest of the Story, The Rest of History, where we're talking about what happened after Easter. 
because honestly, all too often we stop at Easter. You know, even here at Hosanna, we do the, you know, he's risen, he's risen indeed, hallelujah. And it's a big celebration. And this year it was, you know, down doesn't mean done. It means get ready to rise. And, you know, but so often, most of the time we stop on Easter Sunday morning. But the reality is the story is very incomplete when we stop on Easter Sunday morning. There is so much more to the story. There is so much more to the gospel. And so what we decided to do was just keep going, keep going with the story and, and asking what do the stories that happen after the resurrection of Jesus have to tell us about the rest of history? And so where we're headed, just a, a peek at where we're headed in these next uh, couple of weeks. Next week, we're gonna talk about the ascension of Jesus, the moment when Jesus ascended to heaven right in front of his disciples. And it says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, what does that mean? And, and what does it mean really for the rest of history in our lives? And then the week after that, we are going to look at Jesus' promise to come again. Jesus' promise to return. What might that look like? And how might that affect the rest of history? But this weekend, this weekend, we are going to live inside a really unique period of time. The period of time post-resurrection, between resurrection and the ascension, when Jesus appeared, when Jesus appeared in his post-resurrection body. We get a summary about this period of time um, out of the book of Acts in Acts chapter one. And actually just a very quick aside, um, the book of Acts is an incredible book. And we have just started to go through the book of Acts verse by verse in our daily morning devotions. If you have never been part of those, we would just love to have you join us. Every morning, 7 a.m., a Hosanna pastor or, or staff or a volunteer teacher is taking us through about 15 minutes uh, devotions going through the book of Acts. And we'd love to have you be part of that. You join it by, by going to your campus Facebook page at 7 a.m. Or you can also find the link on our webpage. But we'd love to have you going through the book of Acts. It's an incredible book. And it begins, with a summary of this period of time between resurrection and ascension that we get to talk together about today. This is Acts chapter one, verse three. It says, during the 40 days, the 40 days after he suffered and died, he, Jesus, appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So in this summary, we learned that this period of time was 40 days. 40 is, is a significant number all over the Bible. It's a significant number for Jesus. It was 40 days. And then we see that he appeared from time to time. What is interesting when you study this period of time is that Jesus is not present in the same way that he was before. Before he was present in kind of the consistent, you know, he has breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and he goes to bed and you know where he is all the time. In the 40 days, uh, in this period of time, he appears and he disappears. And we're gonna see that in today's story. And then it says he talked about the kingdom of God, which should be no surprise if you were here for our previous series on the kingdom of God, A Way Forward. It's what Jesus talked about all the time. It's what he talked about all the time. It was his favorite subject. So what else do we know about these 40 days? There, there are a couple places that it's referenced that I would just point out. Um, Paul, later on, when he was writing his letter to the church in, in the city of Corinth, in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, and he was reflecting on this time. This is what he said about it in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. He says, he, talking about Jesus, was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of them are still alive, though some have died. So in his letter, Paul is, is making clear there were a lot of witnesses. <laughs> there were a lot 
of witnesses to the resurrected Jesus. A lot of people saw him, 500 people saw him at one time. And he says, and by the way, a lot of those people are still alive. So if you don't believe this story and you would like to hear an eyewitness account, just ask one of them, just ask one of them. So we have that inside of the Bible, but then even outside of the Bible, there's a historical resource that you might be familiar with. His name is Josephus. He was a, a contemporary of Jesus, a Jewish historian, and he wrote about this period of time. And he acknowledged, noted that the Jesus followers claimed that, that he appeared to them after he was crucified by the Romans. So this 40 day period of time when Jesus appeared, of course, the, the, the question that we wanna ask together is, why is this an important part of the story? Why is this an important part of his story? And what does it tell us about the rest of history? I think that we can see the center of the why in that verse that I actually read from Acts right at the beginning, summarizing this time. It gives us the why. It says that he, Jesus, appeared to the apostles from time to time to prove to them in many ways that he was actually alive. This is the why statement of these 40 days. He appeared to them to prove in many different ways that he was actually alive, actually alive. It seems to be very important that Jesus followers know that they know with the, beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus actually rose from the dead. So Jesus spends 40 days proving it. And I wonder if he needed 40 days to prove it because I wonder if the early followers had a hard time believing it. I wonder if you have ever had a hard time believing it. I will just tell you, there have been times in my life when I have had a hard time believing it. And I am so grateful that we're gonna see in our passage for today that even some of Jesus' closest friends, the ones who got to see Jesus alive, still had a hard time believing it. We are gonna be in Luke chapter 24 today. If you have a Bible with you, I would love for you to have it open with me as we go through this passage. And, and it's worth noting that there are 10, there are 10 post-resurrection appearances of Jesus that are recorded in the Bible, 10. Today, we are gonna look at one. We are gonna live in the, inside of the story of one of these encounters of Jesus post-resurrection because there is just so much here. In this passage, we get to peek in, you know, I've, I've had the image this week as I've been preparing this of like having my, my uh, you know, hands up on the window and I get to actually look in, I get to peer into this moment when Jesus appears to his disciples for the first time post-resurrection. The scene is they're all gathered in a room. They're all gathered in a room. We think maybe a couple dozen. We don't know exactly how many people are there, but a few of the people that are there have seen Jesus that day and they have come to share their stories and they're swapping stories, but the rest of the people are having a hard time believing that. And that is where we pick up this story in chapter 24, verse 36, it says, and just as they were telling about it, just as they were sharing their stories, just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. There it is, how he's appearing and disappearing. Different, he's there in different ways than he was before. There he is standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Peace be with you, he said. So those are some of my absolute favorite words from the lips of Jesus. Peace be with you. These guys had been through a lot. This group of people had been through a lot. So the first thing that Jesus says is peace be with you. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. 
touch me, he says, and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief. Still, they stood there in disbelief, but filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. What a privilege to have our eyes up on the window and to get to peer into this amazing encounter with Jesus. I love the details in this story. And I just wonder if you notice with me how hard Jesus is working to prove to these guys that he is actually alive. I'm actually alive. He says to them, look, look at me. And specifically he says, look at my hands, look at my feet. Why would, why would he say that? Because he had just been through crucifixion. They watched that happen. And so the nail, the nail wounds, he says, they're right here. Look, it's me. I really went through that. And they're in my feet too. I really went through that look. And then he says, touch me. And I love thinking about how many of them did. How many of them just like reached out and, and touched him. Like, it's really you, Jesus. He says, yeah, it's really me. Do, do whatever you need to do. Take whatever time you need to know that I really am here with you. And then he says, do you have any food? Uh, I'll eat some fish in front of you. <laughs> and he chews it and he swallows it in front of them. And as those men and maybe a few women that might've been there too, as they stood there watching Jesus eat fish in front of them, they would have known this changes everything. This changes everything for, for them, uh, for the world, I mean, really for the rest of history, this moment, you know, Easter, maybe you've heard this before, the resurrection of Jesus has been called the hinge of history, the hinge of history, because this moment in the story changes the course of the rest of the story. And they would have known it. First of all, I mean, let's just talk about the reality that Jesus standing before them alive means resurrection is real. It means resurrection is real. Now, before this, they would have hoped resurrection is real. It was part of the Jewish faith to hope that resurrection is real. I think it's part of every single human being's story that we hope resurrection is real. There's something, it feels like it's hard baked into who we are that just says, this cannot be the end. This cannot be the end of the story. It can't be that the whole story is that I'm born and I, and I go to school and then I get a job and I earn some money and I gather some stuff and maybe I get married and have some kids and then I get sick and I die. It just seems like that can't be the whole story. But up until this moment, resurrection was wishful thinking. Resurrection was an imaginary hope. But now resurrection is standing in front of them saying, look at me, touch me. They watch resurrection eat fish and it changes everything. It changes everything. Now there's still plenty of mystery here. Um, plenty of mystery. Scholars throughout the ages have really enjoyed studying this encounter with Jesus and actually all the post-resurrection encounters with Jesus to just pay attention to what his um, resurrection self was like. And it seems to be really important in this exchange that Jesus points out to the disciples, you know, I, I, I really have a body, like touch it. It's the same body. And somehow that, that teaches us something about post-resurrection bodies for us, you know, that we'll still be recognizable. You're still gonna be you. I'm still gonna be me. And of course it, it leaves a ton of questions, you know, like, I mean, how old will I be in my resurrection body? And, and will I really look the same? You know, will I still have this mole on my face? 
Will I still be this allergic to spring flowers? I mean, how many of you, I sneezed, I think I probably sneezed 5,000 times this week. Is that coming with me? You know, does that come with me too? There's, there's still so much mystery. There's so much mystery. But at the center of this story, what matters is that resurrection is real. And that reality matters for everybody's story, for everybody's story. But I also know that there are some people who are listening this weekend that when you hear the words resurrection is real, that is everything to you right now. Because there are people who are listening to this message, you are running right now into the fragility of this earthly vessel. You're running right into it. Maybe you are dealing with disease. Maybe you are dealing with a diagnosis that's incredibly scary. I, my heart just breaks for you. I've been thinking about you all week long, but I've also been thinking about how the Lord led you here to remind you that resurrection is real. And that is everything. There are two verses that I, I just believe the Lord wanted to be spoken over your life right now. The first one comes out of that passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 15, where Paul talks about resurrection, how real it is. But he also really shoots straight with people in this passage. This is how he starts it is verse 22. It says, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. I'm stopping there because I, I'm so grateful that Paul shoots straight with Christians. <laughs> you know, this is Paul who was part of healings. He knew Jesus is the healer. He is part of healings. Jesus, I mean, you think back on Jesus, he healed so many people in their earthly bodies. And, and you think about Lazarus, he, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Well, where's Lazarus now? He still died. Everybody dies because we all belong to Adam. Paul is shooting straight with that, but then he also gives this word of hope. He says, but everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Everyone who belongs to Christ is gonna be given new life. And he doesn't mean that in like just a mystical, spiritual way. He's talking about a body. Somehow he's talking about a body. We'll be given a new body, a new life. Jesus himself said it. This comes out of John chapter 11. You've heard it before, but hear it in the context of this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's who I am. I'm the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Jesus is alive. And that means resurrection is real. Resurrection is real. And what difference does that make? And what difference does it make? And how does it affect the rest of the story? Well, we know how it affects the rest of the story for these disciples, for these guys who got to see Jesus alive. It changed the trajectory of their lives. These, these guys, most of them we know from church history, died proclaiming and defending their faith in Jesus Christ. People don't die for a myth. People don't die for somebody who just died and stayed dead. I mean, this, this might seem kind of like an obvious thing, but if Jesus doesn't resurrect from the dead, you and I are not here right now. We're not gathered in a church. I mean, last weekend when millions and millions and millions of people, the whole world over celebrated Easter resurrection, that doesn't happen. We don't gather to worship a man who was born and lived a nice life and seemed to have some crazy magical powers and talked a big game about how he was God. So people were threatened by that and they killed him and then he just stayed dead. That's the story. There's no worldwide movement that sparks from that story. There's no worldwide religion that sparks from that story. You and I aren't here today because this story is true. This story is true. And what actually happened is that the people who saw Jesus alive were willing to risk their lives to tell everybody the story is true. Jesus really lived. 
He really died and he really rose from the dead. Jesus spent 40 days proving that he was actually alive so that you and I would know resurrection is real. He also spent a lot of that time in those 40 days. We see it in the encounter um, on the road to Emmaus and we see it here in this one. It seems to be really important that Jesus would help his followers understand how this moment, how him standing before them, resurrected, actually alive, how that part of his story connects to the whole story, connects to the whole story of God and humanity. In this moment, he, he, with his disciples, after he eats the tilapia in front of them, you know, he's picking it out of his teeth. And then he goes on to say to them, it says, then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses. So that's this part of the Bible. Everything that is written about me in the prophets, this part of the Bible. Everything that is written about me in the Psalms, this part of the Bible. He says, I told you it all pointed to me and that it all had to be fulfilled. Do you know that this entire story, the whole story points at Jesus. It all points at Jesus and he wants them to understand it. He wants to, them to understand how this moment attaches to the rest of history that they know in scripture. It says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago, long ago, way before this moment, this story was written. And it said that what will happen is that the Messiah, the Messiah, the saving one, the one that will come to, the one that will come to take away the sins of the world, the one that will come to redeem humanity and connect them back to God, the Messiah who will come. It's talked about in here. When he comes, what's gonna happen? The word said is that he is going to have to suffer. Well, that happened. He's gonna have to die. That happened. Look at my hands. But it also said that he would have to rise from the dead on the third day. Well, here I am. It's true. And the fact that this part of the story is true means that the whole story is true. But the fact that this moment is true does not only prove that history is true, it also proves that the rest of history is true. This is why this is the hinge, the hinge of history. Jesus goes on to tell his disciples, not just about the past, but to let them have a window into the future, how the rest of the story will unfold. He says, it was also written. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name, the name of the Messiah, Jesus, to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, beginning where you're standing right now. And here's the message that will be proclaimed. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. He says, you're standing in Jerusalem right now and this is where it's gonna get started. But this is a message that is gonna reach through time and space and it's eventually gonna get to every single person in every single nation. That's the rest of the story. That's the rest of the story. And the message that's gonna go out is there is forgiveness of sins. There is forgiveness of sins for everybody, for all, it says, who repent. 
And man, that is the news the world needed to hear. It's the, it is the news that the world still needs to hear. It is, the, it is the news that my soul needs to hear today, right now. Thank you, Jesus, that this message has reached me. That my sins are forgiven when I repent, when I turn back to the Lord. Jesus says, that's the rest of history. This story is going out and here's how it's going to happen. He gives them a window into that. He says, hey, here's how it's gonna happen. Here's how the rest of the story will unfold. Now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. So stay here in this city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. That's the rest of the story. That's what's coming. And we know that that is exactly what happened. That's what happened in the book of Acts chapter two. You wanna read about it, read it. You wanna join us for Morning Devos? We're talking about it this week. Acts chapter two is the moment when the fire falls, moment when the Holy Spirit falls and fills his believers to be able to share this news in multiple language. It's an absolutely insane story and it's true and it's continuing today. It meets your story and mine right now where we are invited to be filled with that same Holy Spirit so that we can spend our lives living this story and proclaiming this story. This moment is the hinge of history for humanity and for you and for me. Jesus spent 40 days proving that he's actually alive. And all week long, I have wrestled, I have wrestled with how to end this message. Honestly, right now, I'm not even totally sure how I'm going to end it. This morning, I came before the Lord. I was like, how, how Lord, do I button this up? How, Lord, do I make it tidy? And I felt like what the Spirit of God said is sit with me and you, Jen, ask the question, how does this story make a difference in your life? How does the fact that Jesus lives and that resurrection is real make any difference in my life? I'll tell you the first thing that came to my mind when I think resurrection is real. Um, my mom has cancer. She's had cancer for a long time. And honestly, she's doing very, very well. And she is listening right now. And it has been in many ways, a miraculous journey. Jesus has been so faithful. But her and I got to talk last week about her journey. And, and she shared with me, you know, the only way through this, the only way through having, you know, in a way, a terminal illness, and many of you can relate to this or somebody that you love, the only way through is for resurrection to be a real hope. Not an imaginary hope, not wishful thinking, but everything I hang my hook on. Resurrection is real. And if I didn't know that, I can't think of how devastating it would be to watch people that I love be sick, watch people that I love die. It's so easy for me to take for granted that I know the truth that resurrection is real. That's why it matters. And it matters to me because my whole story is in this story. I gave my life to this story 25 years ago and I get to live with the reality of knowing that my sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. I can't imagine living with the weight if I didn't know that. My sins and the sins of the world and I have the privilege of giving my whole life, my whole story to this story, of knowing that I am filled with the Holy Spirit to live this story and to share this story and to proclaim it with everything I've got. Even right now, I can't imagine my life without this story. And so uh, for you this week, why does this story matter to you? I would invite you 
if you've been living this story for a long time, to just take some time this week and, and ask the Lord, like, why does it matter, God? Why does it matter that you rose from the dead? Why does that matter in my life? And let him show you, let him show you. But the people that I also have on my mind this weekend, I've had on my mind all week are, are those of you, you know, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whosoever believes in me, whosoever believes in me will never die, but even after this life will live. Jesus asked very little, very little actually of people in his life and in this moment. He asked very little. All that he asked is believe. Believe that I am who I say I am. Believe that I really lived and showed you the love of the Father. Believe that I really died and dealt with your sin and believe that I rose again and that one day you will too. Believe it, believe it. And so as we uh, close our time together today, we're gonna do so in prayer. We always do that at the end of our messages. And I just remind you, prayer is real too. Prayer is, is an invitation to come before the God of the universe who lives. He lives and he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to show you more of who he is and pour more of his love into your life. Especially those of you who you can tell he's calling you to step over the line. Move from unbelief to belief. Let this be your story. So let's close our time together in prayer. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Without your spirit, all this is just words. It's just words. We want it to be more than words. God, we want it to be life. We want it to be resurrection life. So pour out your, your spirit on your people right now. For those of us who've lived inside of this story for too long, that we take it for granted. By your spirit, God, quicken our hearts again. Awaken us again. Make us bold again. Make us willing to die for this story if we need to die for this story because it's true. And for our brothers and sisters who right now their hearts are pounding because they know that the God of the universe is reaching through time and space to talk to them. Believe, believe. Pray you give them courage to step over that line today. God, thank you for this story that we find our stories within. By your spirit, God, make it more true in our lives today than it's ever been. We ask it in the powerful, beautiful, life-changing name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, church, those of you who are in your houses right now, or maybe you're running and you just listen to this message in your headphones, wherever you are, we're just so grateful that you were part of it this weekend, that you were here. And a couple things I would love to just throw out to you, um, a couple things for follow-up, really. Uh, some of you may really have been moved for the first time in a way to say, yes, I believe. I believe in you, Jesus. And we would just love to be able to follow up with you. Um, we have a button on our webpage that says yes to Jesus. That's not the like go to heaven button. You don't push it and then go to heaven. It's not how it works. We don't believe that. We just think that uh, we'd love to connect with you. If, if this journey is new to you, we'd love to help you come alongside you, pray with you. And so there's a button on our webpage. Click yes to Jesus and tell us your story. We'd love to hear your story. The second thing I would point you to is that we have a course that is starting in less than two weeks called 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. 
This can be a tough book to understand. It really can. But Jesus, you know, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He wants us to understand this story. And as a church, we want to help you understand this story. And so we have a course called 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. It meets online Monday nights or Wednesday nights. You can choose. Um, you can register for that online. And then lastly, I would just uh, remind you that a message is just a message if all we do is hear it and we don't talk about it and we don't tussle with it and we don't wrestle with it. And so we invite you to do that with the people in your family or maybe your community group, whoever you're with. In just a moment, some questions are gonna go up on the screen and you can use them to have a conversation about today's message. But before you go, whatever's going on in your life right now, I would just love to leave you with this ancient blessing. It's been spoken over believers for thousands of years, which you hear it into your ears and your heart today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be really gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. We will see you next week for week two of the rest of history.